0: We're very blessed to have Adam with us today, Adam Mallett. Please welcome him. Thank you all for having me this morning. Um, I've known Pastor Frank for a while, and he had invited me and uh, the pastor at my church, River of Life, uh, to come back in October. So I know some of the faces are familiar. Uh, Hopefully I'm familiar to some of y'all. But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam Mallett, um, and I serve as the associate pastor um, over the, the worship ministry and the youth ministry at River of Life in Iota, um, and I'm glad to be here this morning. So we'll just dive right in. Um, Pastor Frank messaged me, I guess Wednesday, and asked me, you know, if, if I would fill in for him or be willing to fill in for him. And usually, it's kind of a tough thing for me to step away on Sundays from River of Life, um, leading the worship ministry. You know, it's, it's kind of a tough to step away. But things just so happened to work out that um, I wasn't scheduled to serve this Sunday uh, for the first Sunday and. In, in almost ever things just worked out that I was able to be here so um, this morning you know the the sermon that God has put on my heart um, to share with you guys the message I think is a very important one and really there's a lot of little messages in it um, so don't feel like I'm glossing over some important stuff uh, there's just some important stuff that kind of falls underneath the, the overarching theme that God uh, has put on my heart to share with you um, and today we're going to be talking about hands and in Matthew 3: 2. Um, John the Baptist, is, is he's going before, he's the forerunner um, for Jesus, and he's telling the people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And depending on what translation you're reading out of, I think most translations say the kingdom of heaven is near, um, but the New King James, for sure, and the ESV um, say is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, And I chose to use that translation because this idea of hands, I think, is very important for us to understand. Um, For us, this idea of at hand or the kingdom of heaven is near, you know, the the phrase that it's translated from, um, it speaks of action. It speaks of something, it speaks of making something imminent or making something present. Um, It talks about joining two things together. Um, And for us as God's people, we have work to do. There's there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. Um, We have a kingdom to build, and and for each of us, that might mean different things. Um, For me, like I've already shared, you know, how I serve at my church, um, those are the kind of things that I do with with these hands um, to build the kingdom. But each and every one of us has different roles in the kingdom, and not just what kind of job you have uh, or, or where you work um, you know the ministry I do at the church is just some of what I do I, I also you know I'm bivocational I also work um, as a store manager um, at a little electronics repair store in Jennings um, so whether it's your job or your ministry or w- whatever it is that you do even if maybe you' know, you're like me you do a bunch of things um, that's part of the work that you're called to do. Um, And it's very possible for us to work and never build the kingdom, and that's something that I think we have to be very careful of. Um, Whenever John the Baptist, going before Jesus, um, said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what he was trying to get the people to understand was that the word repent means to change your thinking, to change the way that you think about things, the way that you view things, the way that you live your life and interact with the world around you. And so he's saying, Change what you're doing, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he's, what he's trying to get us to understand is that the job we have requires us to view things differently, requires us to interact with the world around us in a different way than we would otherwise. Um, if all I was was the store manager at a little uh, repair store, um, I, I maybe would never build the kingdom. I could go to work every single day and never, get the, never take the opportunity to build the kingdom. But the fact of the matter is, whether you whether I'm a pastor on staff at a church or whether I'm just a layperson in the church or, or anywhere in between um, that job that I go to uh, every single day is an opportunity for me to build the kingdom and, and we have to change our thinking to to catch those opportunities and so this idea of action and work to be done is very important and I think that a lot of Christians neglect the opportunities that they have you know um, I, I think it's something that hopefully as all of us mature in Christ, we we come to understand. But I know for me at one point, um, whenever I was uh, much younger in the faith, my prayers often sounded like, you know, God, give me the opportunity. God, um, allow me to have an opportunity. But over time, God changed my way of thinking, and now my prayers are, God, allow me to see the opportunities, because they're everywhere. I mean, we never run out of opportunities to serve God and to build His kingdom. You know, you don't just have an opportunity to build the kingdom whenever you're here on Sundays um, serving in whatever, you know, ministry that you serve in. Um, I know for us at our church, you, we're, this, this October will be our 10th year, and, and uh, we've grown a lot um, in the 10 years that we have. We're certainly not, you know, a huge church by any means. Um, but it seems like some kind of way we've we've got all these service teams that we do, you know, the, whether it's the team that cleans or does sound or does media or children's church or nurse. I mean, at this point we've got the just the young people so split up, um, you know. But there's the nursery, and then there's I think it's the second and third graders or the first and second graders, and then like the third, fourth, and fifth graders, uh, and then we have the sixth graders up through the the youth ministry. And so even just on a Sunday morning we have so many different people. But that's not the only chance that we have to build the kingdom. If that was the only opportunity we took to build the kingdom, the kingdom would never get built. Um, Sundays do a lot for God's people and for those that God's people minister to. Um, We have new people come to church on a Sunday and we minister to them and that's great, Um, but there's a whole lot more people that aren't in the church out there that God is calling us to bring into his family, and that's, that's part of the kingdom work. And I think that we neglect this responsibility because we don't understand that we have these opportunities, and we don't understand the tools that we have to use to build the kingdom. I know so many people who don't feel like they can do the work of the kingdom. You know, they, they say, well, you know what? I'm a Christian, and I come to church every Sunday, and I'm doing my best to live a, a good life and set a good example, and that's great but there's, there's action that needs to be taken. Um, the kingdom will never be built passively. The kingdom will never be built by walking around with the Bible app downloaded on your phone. Um, you know, it, it has to be outward, and it has to be built with our hands, and so our hands are very important, and I, and I think um, that's why I like this translation that says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and, and that understanding is so important for us. So we're going to talk about a couple situations in the Bible that speaks of people's physical hands and sort of get an understanding of what that means for us, the tools that we have to build the kingdom. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew 12, 13, I encourage you to go read the whole story. It's a real wonderful story, but we're going to focus just on one little verse that sort of highlights this idea of hands and the work that we can do for the kingdom. And this is speaking of Jesus. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy like the other. So in this story, um, Jesus is is teaching on the Sabbath. And of course, everybody's watching. Those who who truly want to learn from him. And of course, the Pharisees who want to tear him down and, and stop his ministry. And there's this man there who's got a withered hand. Um, and of course, whether that means that it was paralyzed or, or that uh, he just had some kind of other issue with it, um, we're not sure. But the Bible says that his hand is withered. Um, and so Jesus, knowing the opportunity that he had there, um, healed this man's hand. But what's important to understand for us practically in the context of our lives today is this man wasn't whole. Um, you know in this culture especially uh, you know in the Middle East and in those times, um, there was hardly any value placed on women um, and you still see that today in the Middle East. so the the role of the man was was doubly important from what we see today. you know today that, that idea has changed even in the past several decades the idea of the man goes to work and the woman stays home now you know if, if a husband and wife found themselves in the unfortunate situation of the husband not being able to work, well, you know the wife can go work that's it's not strange for a wife to leave the home and and work that's normal for us, but in this culture, that was not normal um, in this culture in Jesus' time, the woman would stay home and she would tend the house and the man would go work uh, and tend to whatever needed to be tended to, to to take care of the family and so you can imagine this guy's life with a withered hand he can't work or if he can, he can't work very well. Um, he's not able to provide for his family and therefore he's he's not a man in, in terms of what this society views as manhood. Um, and that that takes a toll on somebody. So for this man uh, to to receive this offer of healing from Jesus, um, that, was a, that was a powerful tool that this man had that Jesus allowed him to have. This man had been living his whole life up to this point. We don't know if he was an old person or a young person, um, but However old he was, he had lived that many years not able to do what society said you have to do to be important and to be valuable and to be useful and to be whole. And maybe physically he wasn't whole, but Jesus makes it clear that, um, A, in Christ we can be made whole. But B, even those of us who maybe have, whether it's a physical disability or um, some sort of emotional struggle, whatever it is, if if we don't feel like we're good enough, if we don't feel whole, if we don't feel capable to do what God has set before us to do, um, this man was useful even before Jesus healed his hand. Uh, Jesus tells the man, stretch out your hand. And the man responded in faith. And that was a powerful tool for the kingdom as well. By, By stretching his hand out, And receiving that healing, he allowed Jesus to use him to demonstrate a powerful miracle and to uh, bring about this understanding of of the Sabbath that we have now as the New Testament church. And that was very important to the kingdom work. But before he was made whole in the eyes of those around, and before he was made physically whole, he was still useful. Even in his brokenness and even in his his place of, of not being good enough in the eyes of society and really not being able to take care of himself, he had a purpose in the kingdom, God had a plan for him, and God was using him for something important. Um, and and for, for me, in my understanding, um, I know that it's, it's sometimes a season of life maybe that causes us to feel not good enough, you know, a season of life where we struggle, a season of life that we just feel down and out, and we don't feel like we can do what we're called to do. Um, I recently started attending school again when I was right out of high school, um, before I had... Um, responded to God's call in my life to be a pastor. I had gone off to college uh, and didn't really do a whole lot, um, and then had a lot of scholarships for that, for what I was going to do. Um, and so leaving that, I didn't really have any more scholarships, so I didn't really do any more schooling. Um, but I, I'm finally to the place recently where I can go back to school, and, and I feel like uh, some some weeks, depending on how busy the week is with schoolwork, uh, I feel like I really am not enough to, to, to do what God has called me to do. Um, you know, when, when Pastor Frank asked me to... Uh, preached this Sunday, I thought, I don't know if I can do that. You know, it's been so busy, and it's been such a struggle to get the normal things done. Um, You know, this semester particularly, already it's not that long in, but this semester particularly has been very difficult already, Um, and and even if it's just a a very short season, sometimes we just don't feel like we we got it in us, and we don't feel like we have enough. We don't feel like we can match up to what the task that God has placed in front of us, but we have the tools to do what God has called us to do. Um, we have what we need in Christ. I can't do it on my own. On my own, I'm, I'm like this man with the withered hand. Uh, on my own, there's no way I'm going to finish my schoolwork and be prepared to teach the youth and, and lead the worship team and, and whatever else happens to be on my plate uh, from week to week. But in Christ, I can. He says, take what you have that's broken. Take what you have that's not good enough. Take what you have that's not enough and hold it out to me. Now listen, if I choose not to hold my hand out to him, if I choose not to give him my brokenness and my imperfection, he's still going to use me. He'll just use me in spite of my lack of faith. Uh, and, I, and I'm glad for that because sometimes that's true. Sometimes I don't have enough faith and I don't do what I'm supposed to do and I don't accomplish the work that I should accomplish. But when we take what, what imperfection and brokenness we have and we hold it out to Christ... Not only does he build his kingdom and bring himself glory, but he gives us the restoration and the healing that we need. He lifts us up. And now this man, useful to the kingdom before, now he's able to be useful to society in a way that he wasn't before. And so he was, he was as good as, as he needed to be for the sake of the kingdom being built. But God didn't leave him there. Because he had faith to trust God and, and hold out his imper- imperfection and his brokenness and, and say, you know what? I'm going to trust you with this. You know, I imagine I'm a very visual person, and I, I tend to think, you know, like, a, like with a movie running in my mind. And so I, I read the story, and I imagine that, you know, they wore like robes and cloaks and, and things like that. They didn't, uh, obviously, they didn't dress how we do. Um, but even dressed how we do, you know, if your hand is, is maybe um, withered, or, or maybe you've got something wrong with your hands, maybe you can go to the synagogue with your hands in your pockets the whole time, and nobody knows. Nobody knows that you're broken. Nobody knows that you're imperfect. Nobody knows that you're struggling. But Jesus called him not only to be healed, but to reveal his imperfection to everybody. And sometimes that's the hardest part. Sometimes we neglect to build the kingdom because we don't want to let everybody else know that we're not quite what they think we are. That we're not we're not quite where we should be. I know for me that's something that I've struggled with as a young pastor. Um, you know, whenever, uh, as I mentioned already, whenever I graduated high school, um, it wasn't long after I graduated high school that um, I, I surrendered to go into ministry rather than do what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and since then, uh, it's been years and years of this inner um, doubt that the enemy gives me and that I allow to breed within me. And uh, sometimes. You know, I have a question about something, and I hate to say it, but sometimes I don't ask the question, you know, about something in Scripture that maybe I don't understand or something that I want clarified that I heard another pastor, or preacher, or speaker say, uh, because I'm I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to know. I'm supposed to have the answers. Uh, and you know, there there are so many people who look up to uh, me as as one of the pastors at my church. But even if I wasn't the pastor, even before I had the title of pastor attached to me, there are so many people who look up to us. And we don't want to let them know, I have no earthly idea, you know, what the answer is to that question. You know, I remember um, riding with somebody, uh, an older gentleman, to cut grass one day. Um, and I mean, he had been a Christian for longer than I've been alive, as far as I understand. Uh, and, and he was a great man of God. And he asked me one day, we were just, you know, riding wherever it was we were going to cut, cut somebody's yard. And, uh, you know, he asked me, how do you study the Bible better? Like, I don't, understand the, I don't understand how to study the Bible well enough. And I think at that time I was 18 or 19, and I was thinking, well, I mean, I don't know either. You know, I'm just figuring this out myself. Um, I, I hadn't been a Christian for very long at that point, and, and I didn't have the answers, um, but I didn't want to tell them that. And, and that's how we are sometimes, and, and we miss opportunities. You know, maybe the kingdom's going the kingdom's to get built, whether we're in on it or not. God's will will be done whether we jump in on that or not. But we miss out on what God has for us in building the kingdom whenever we say, you know, I'm not going to ask that question or I'm not going to reveal this imperfection or this lack of knowledge or this lack of wisdom. And Jesus is calling us to hold it out to him and to say, here, I'll reveal it and I want you to heal it. I'll take my my withered hands out of my pockets because I trust that you're going to heal it. You know, this this guy... um, like I said, maybe he'd been walking around his whole life, and nobody in the synagogue, nobody on, uh, nobody at church on Sunday morning knew what he was going through, or what he was dealing with, or what he was missing. Um, and and God was calling him. Jesus was telling him, "Let everybody know, and then watch what I'm going to do with it." And I can testify that God has done great things whenever I let everybody know, whenever I'm willing to reveal that, um, and you know, go to Pastor Gary or or you know, even in school before I was. Um, you know, in ministry, um, Pastor Frank was my teacher. I've known him for a long time. Uh, I've known Stephen and James since they were real little. And, uh, you know, even in school, in high school, you know, um, Pastor Frank was such an inspiration to me and so willing to um, help and so willing to say, you know what, uh, see, even whether it was, you know, Bible or not. Um, I see you're struggling with this, let me help you with this, Um, and even in English class, uh, I remember writing a paper, and I still get kind of frustrated with it sometimes, Uh, uh, I'm not holding the grudge, but sometimes I think, man, I wish he wouldn't have given me that grade, and uh, I wrote a paper, and I thought it was excellent, and I mean, he didn't, he didn't, the only, he didn't put any red marks, you know, he didn't have any grammar to correct, Um, if there's one thing I'm good at, it's writing, I'm an excellent writer, and uh, you know, so I turned this paper in, and he gave it back with a 99, and the word excelsior written on top. And I was so frustrated with that. I know I'm not perfect, but I wanted the the grade to say that I was, because I mean it was close enough to perfect. But you know, we, we reveal that, even if it's just the tiniest thing, we reveal that imperfection. And we're willing to be honest about that imperfection. And that word excelsior, which she explained to me, means that we can always do better. We can always strive for more. And as Christians, you know, maybe you're doing great but there's one little thing that you don't understand or one little thing that you're not quite comfortable with or one little thing or, or whatever it is. And whenever we're willing to be honest about that grade, that imperfection, that 99 with the big red circle around it, um, we can do so much more. We, we're shown the, the room that we have to grow. Um, even the best of us has so much to learn and so much to understand and, and so much more time and room to mature in the faith, and so whenever we're we're willing to be honest with ourselves about that, and take our withered hands out of our pockets and hold it out to Jesus, listen. Whether you're the worst or the best, whether you're the youngest Christian or the oldest Christian, um, God is is wanting you to do more. He's calling you to do more. He's calling you to be more effective in building the kingdom, and. Why, why would we miss out on that? Why would we want to miss out on that? But so many of us do because we don't feel equipped, or maybe we feel equipped and we know that we're well enough equipped, but we could be equipped better. Um, you know, as a, as a musician, you can always be better at what you do. Um, you know, I play bass at church, and I mean, I'm as good as you need to be to do this kind of music, but you don't need to be that good. It's not that complicated to play bass. That's the easiest instrument there is to me. And so, you know, sometimes people think, man, he's kind of arrogant, you know, talking about his, his bass playing, but really, it's not that hard, you know? It's not like you have to learn complicated parts. If you just stare at the chord sheet and just follow the drummer, that's as much as you really need to do. Um, I've had people uh, take my place playing bass after me just giving them like two lessons, you know? Uh, it's really not hard. But there's so much more room to grow. There's so much more that I can do to be better at what I do building the kingdom or playing music or fixing electronics or writing or preaching or whatever it is that you do, um, that's something, that's a tool that you have to build the kingdom. And whenever we're willing to be honest with ourselves about our imperfections and, and where we fall short, God can do so much with that. He can grow us and, and make us better equipped. Um, so the next story that I want to talk about, it's broken up into two parts, but the next story that I want to talk about um, has to do with our hands as well. Um, and if you'll turn with me to Acts 28, we're going to read verses 3 through 9. It said, and I'm going to split it into two and talk for a little bit before I read the second half. So for now, we'll read 3 through 6. It says, When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt, this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. And so we'll stop there for now. So the back story to this, Paul, all through the book of Acts, uh, well, starting around chapter 9, when Paul Saul becomes Paul. Um, we see him making this journey, growing in his faith, and getting closer and closer to Rome um, for the work of the gospel as uh, the greatest missionary um, ever, really. And he, in chapter twenty-seven, he he's on a ship as a prisoner. Uh, and of course, you know he was a prisoner for sharing the gospel, but uh, probably most of the guards didn't know that. They didn't care what he was in prison for. He was just one of the prisoners. And the the ship is shipwrecked. They end up on the island of Malta. And uh, now they've gone through all of this. I mean, they've been through a rough time. And then they find themselves on this island. uh, In the Bible, referring to the people from Malta, it calls them barbarians. But basically what they were saying was they didn't speak the same language as us. And so they were in this strange place with these foreign people. They didn't speak the same language as them. Um, but we find Paul here gathering a bundle of sticks to put them on a fire. They had shipwrecked, but they were okay. They lived. They survived. Uh, they've got a fire going. They're, they're trying to warm themselves up and get back on track uh, and, and get themselves ready to continue their journey to Rome. Um, Paul picks up some sticks to put on the fire, um, and a snake bites him on the hand. The Bible, uh, depending on your translation, uh, mine says a viper. Um, So definitely something he should have died from, which is clear from the people's reaction. And so Paul has this happen, and, you know, I've never been bitten by a snake, but in at least from what I understand, most of the time when they, they bite and they let go. They don't bite and just hang on like a turtle. But this one bit and held on like a turtle. The Bible says that it was fastened to his hand, and they saw it hanging from his hand. And so Paul is standing there with this, this venomous snake that really he should die from, hanging on his hand. And the people see that, and they're watching. They know what he's gone through. They don't really know a whole lot about him. They just know that he's a prisoner for something. So presumably he's not a good person. Now he's got this snake hanging on his hand. He survived the shipwreck somehow, but they say, they form an opinion and they say, well, you know, he's not going to make it through this. He must have done something bad because after surviving a shipwreck, now he's going to die because a snake jumped out and bit him. And so Paul has this thing happen to him. And I know that we can relate to that. Um, There's not a soul who hasn't had something happen to him. Something bad, something unfortunate, something um, tragic happen to them. And, and now we've got that snake hanging off of our hand. We've gone through this situation, whether it was um, all that Paul went through or even just this last little bit with the snake bite. We've gone through something. We've experienced something, again, whether it's a tragedy or, or even just a small little misfortune, something that uh, you might call unlucky. Uh, but, there's, of course, we know there's no such thing as luck. God is sovereign over all things. And in this situation, Paul has this, this circumstance hanging from him. And the people see it, and they form an opinion. And and that's a tool that we have. People's opinions is a tool that we have. Because our response determines what they understand, determines the way that they think about things. You know, when we started this, this message, um, John the Baptist says, repent, change your way of thinking. We change our way of thinking, and when we handle that appropriately, we're able to change other people's ways of thinking. Those who uh, come into my store day in and day out to get their phones or tablets or whatever fixed, um, their, their reaction usually is not a good reaction. You know, they walk into the door and I greet them very politely. How are you doing today? And most of the time they're saying, well, not good. You know, I'm here. I've got something that's broken and I'm about to have to spend some money on it. But, you know, a, a little positivity, a little politeness, a little kindness goes a long way and, and it changes Uh, it it changes their understanding of the situation. You know, well, listen, it's expensive to fix your phone, but it's cheaper than a new phone. Even something like that. Uh, You know, well, you know what, I I didn't think of it that way. And now they leave not being grumpy and slamming the door behind themselves, but they leave at least feeling a little better about it. And so our response to things changes other people's perspective of things. And for us as Christians, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing just to say, well, you know, we should just be positive, you know, positive and, and happy. But as Christians, it's so much deeper than that. You know, when, whenever we've got that misfortune or that tragedy hanging from our hands like that snake, our response really does shape the way people see. You know, they, the people saw Paul and they said, uh, well, before they saw what happened, you know, they, they just saw a snake hanging off of his hand and they said, oh, he's got to be a murderer. He's got to have done something awful Because now the snake is latched onto his hand after he survived all these other things. And then Paul shakes the snake off. And then they wait a little while and they're like, well, he's not dead yet. So maybe he's not a bad person. Maybe he's a really good person. Maybe he's a god. And so, of course, Paul, this isn't the first time this has happened to um, one of the apostles and one of the disciples, but Paul handles the situation well. The Bible doesn't give us all of the details, but we'll see in a second that um, Paul ends up sitting with uh, one of the the head people of the island, a guy named Publius, the chief uh, man of the island. And uh, so Paul's response... You know, rather than saying, you know, woe is me now, you know, I made it through the shipwreck, but now this stupid snake is hanging off of my hand. You know, why would God allow all this to happen to me? Paul, Paul, his response caused these people to have a positive opinion about the God he said he believed in. Paul's response to this very awful situation made these people say, well, you know what, maybe this God he's talking about that he's in prison for, maybe, maybe that's real. And it's the same with us. Whenever we have things happen to us, you know, if we, if we let ourselves get down in the dumps, um, if, we, if we do like Job and curse God, uh, if we do or do like Job's wife said to do and curse God, um, you know, if, if we just wallow and we wear sackcloth and ashes like the Bible describes people doing, um, we're tearing down the kingdom. You know, we're saying uh, this bad thing has happened to me and I don't trust that God's going to do something good with it. And that tears down everything that we talk about, everything that we sing about. Uh, life is worth the living just because he lives. But, you know, you get a flat tire on the way to work. Uh, well, now you're bummed out and you're mad and, and you know, you're ranting on Facebook. Uh, and why would God allow this to happen to me? Um, but if instead you get a flat tire and put on Facebook, man, I got a flat tire, but I got a vehicle and I have a job and I have somewhere to go and I have money to get there and, and I have a coat to wear to, to change my tire in this cold weather, that positivity, not just positivity in general, just general you know good vibes like people say, but that positivity about God and that faith in God and trust in God causes people to look on and say, he really believes what they talk about on Sunday. He really believes what they sing about on Sunday, and there's something to that. There's something good there. There's something that maybe I want because you know, we know negative people who are just, they just seem to be stuck in negativity. But whatever, we have faith in God and trust God and are positive, even about things that seem bad, we're saying life is worth the living just because He lives. I know that He's going to heal my withered hand. I know that I'm going to end up in Rome despite the shipwreck, despite being in prison, despite having a snake hanging off of my hand, um, injecting venom into me that everybody is apparently thinking I'm going to die from. We see in, in these scriptures people who trust God and have faith in God and understand the responsibility that they have, not, not to shirk their responsibility just because something happened to them that's unfortunate or, or because their season of life um, doesn't, doesn't seem like a, a mountaintop, maybe like the one before. Maybe this season of life is a valley. Um, but these people trust God and they understand, you know what, I have a responsibility, Paul especially. Paul understood he had a responsibility. Um, Paul was pressing on and and accomplishing what God called him to do. And so the next little part of that story, Acts um, 28, 7 through 9, says, Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed and put his hands on him and healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. The same hand that was bitten by a snake. Because Paul was willing to look for those opportunities to build the kingdom, the opportunities that are always there. Instead of saying, God, uh, give me an opportunity. Paul said, God, let me see the opportunity. And the same hand that was bitten by a snake, that he, the same hand that shook that snake back off into the fire because of his faith in God, was the hand that healed not only this guy's father, but the whole island. The Bible says he was faithful to to represent God well. The hand that showed um, God's faithfulness to us was now made able to demonstrate the power of God, not just to one person or to the people who were right there and saw the snake bite, but to the whole island. And there's really nothing more powerful than that. Can you imagine uh, finding yourself shipwrecked? on a little island in the middle of nowhere, maybe an island you've never been to, an island that's maybe, I mean, as, as far as, uh, you know, Luke is the one who wrote the Book of Acts, and Luke writes that they were barbarians. Uh, their understanding is that these were some, you know, some, some cavemen kind of people. You know, they didn't speak the same language. Maybe they didn't have the same kind of technology that, uh, you know, these people were traveling to Rome. So I can imagine that this ship was one of the best ships um, that anybody had ever built. Rome was a very advanced civilization. And, and now they're shipwrecked on this little island of barbarians. And uh, they were able to heal Paul, his hand that was bitten by a snake, because of his trust in God and God's faithfulness in response to him and his faithfulness, that, that faithfulness from, between us and God um, gives us great power and authority to do what God has set before us to do. Paul couldn't have healed the island if he was bummed out about that snake. Paul couldn't have healed the whole island uh, if he was frustrated with his life situation. But because he had faith in God, he was able to heal this whole island of people that he thought were barbarians. So this whole island was touched, literally touched by God, because of Paul's faithfulness and his obedience and willingness to look for these opportunities. and And that's important for us to understand. We have to be on the lookout for these opportunities. Our our hands are capable of a lot. Um, like I said, you know, I. I I play music and I write and, and I do all these things and so I look at my hands and and I see what my hands are capable of. I know what my hands are capable of because of what they've done. Um, I can look back on the different jobs that I've had over the years um, and you know that's something that is kind of fun for me to think about. Maybe uh, that's something that you think about sometimes too. You know, you look at your hands and and I see calluses on on the fingers that pluck the strings. You know and um, you know my wife has this. Um, weird little callus here from, uh, she's a barista, and so I think from, um, you know, holding the, the mug to do the, the the milk in, and the little portafilter to do the espresso in, you know, all of this the things that she does, she's got a, a, this weird little callus that's, you know, on, on her finger there, and so you can look at somebody's hands and see, uh, you know, maybe somebody comes and, uh, you, you know, shake somebody's hand, shake a a person's hand and, you know, it's obvious that they've been working on a car or something. Uh, you know, so you can look at somebody's hands and, and see what, what they do and, and uh, kind of see part of their life. Um, but God is calling us to look at our hands with his perspective and to see what he's placed in our hands to do. The, the tools and the, the authority and the power that he's given us to build his kingdom. Um, I don't blame a person who neglects their duty to build the kingdom but has no idea the power that they have from God, the tools that they have from God. God doesn't, my pastor says this all the time, um, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And so this man with the withered hand, Paul, who all, anybody we could have put in, in this, this sermon, anybody I could have put down in my notes, um, they were not capable, and we talked about that in John 15 this morning in the Bible study. Um, we, we're not able to do what we're called to do. We're gonna be, as the branches, we're gonna be pruned unless we abide in him and are made able to do what he calls us to do. I can't do it without him. I don't have the fuel. I don't have the, the, the branches, don't have the nutrients, without being attached to the whole tree um, or the vine. And so we've got to be connected to him, and we've got to have that perspective to look at our hands, to look at our lives and say, you know, this is what God has called me to do, and maybe I don't feel capable of doing it, but if I abide in him, if I offer my imperfection to him, if I trust him with my uh, what seems like misfortune, if I trust him with what doesn't seem like enough, I'm made able in him to do what he's called me to do. And so in Matthew four seventeen, Jesus basically repeats the same thing that John says. You know, So you read John going before and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then wrapping things up, Jesus says the same thing at the beginning of his ministry. He continues that work on. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And... Hopefully, this has given you a new perspective on things. Hopefully, this kind of changes the way you think about things. But this repentance, um, of course, we receive salvation. We repent, and we change the way we lived before, and we receive salvation. And, and that's how we find ourselves grafted in, the Bible says, grafted in to the family tree of God. And then every single day we continue to repent. We continue to transform our minds like Romans 12 says. We continue to be made more like Christ. We continue to be made more able, more more perceptive of the things that God has called us to do, more capable of what God has placed in us to do and and the call that he's placed before us. And so maybe you can relate to these things. Maybe you can relate um, to feeling imperfect. Uh, Maybe you've gone through storm after storm lately. Maybe your whole life has been um, a life of not feeling good enough or not feeling equipped. Maybe something's missing um, that, that society says you should have or uh, that you feel like you should have to do what God has called you to do. But we need to understand um, that we're made able in God. He's, his kingdom is going to be built regardless, but I'm so glad that He makes us able to be a part of it. Um, and so this morning, as we close out um, the message, um, we'll have music playing. And, and um, you know, if, if you want to take this time, whether it's in your seat um, or, or here before God, just ask him to give you that wisdom and that perspective. Um, Ask him to give you his eyes to to view the world around you. Um, And and maybe when you go out into this week, you'll be surprised to find all the opportunities that you've been missing to do what God has called you to do and and to build the kingdom and, um, and to advance the purpose that God has set for all of creation. And yet, as vast as creation is, he's allowed just Little me to be a part of that, and it 's the same for all of us. Um, and so this morning, um, if you 're a child of God, I want to encourage you to take time um, to allow God to speak into your heart. Um, but if you 're here and you 're not a child of God, um, know that it 's not, uh, it's, it's not demeaning when we say that apart from Christ we can do nothing. it 's not me that says that. it's Christ that says that. Um, and I know so many people who are, or are not Christians, they don 't know God and they struggle and they say, well you know I 'm trying to figure out what 's going to make me happy. I think I figured out what's going to make me happy or make me feel satisfied. And the next time I have a conversation with them, (laughs) that's not it. You know, they, they said, well, that's not it. I'll try something else. We're made complete in Christ because we're made in God's image. And so when we receive salvation and we're grafted into the family of God, we're made able to find real joy and real peace and real satisfaction and real fulfillment um, because we're, we're fulfilled in Him, in our Creator. And so this morning, um, if you're gathered here with us and you're not sure, or you just don't have a relationship with Christ, don't leave without talking to me or, or any of the wonderful people in this church. Um, and even if all you do is ask and, uh, like the man with the withered hand, reveal a little brokenness, reveal a little, um, a little imperfection, a, a little something missing, um, God's going to be faithful to respond to that and work powerfully in your life.